today, I want to read you, uh, I'm not going to preach on all this, but I, anything that's usually connected, uh, I, I, I tend to have to read it just so you'll get the whole context of kind of where it's at. And I'm not going to, I'm only going to preach on the last three or four verses of, of a little parable, but, but this parable come out of, out of what Jesus was already talking about. And, and for context, I always find it valuable to read that whole portion. And, and it's not that long anyway. It's only six or seven verses anyway, or nine, or ten, <laughs> whatever it is. But, but for context value, I found that to be very important. Uh, I, to rightly divide the Word of God, you really got to have that. And, and, and that's one of my... One of my hearts, though I struggle at it at times, and I miss sometimes, and I'm faulty, and I've got a man's mind sometimes, and 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 but but I strive to rightly divide God's word. I do. I put a lot of effort in it, and uh, it may not look like it, it may not sound like it sometimes, but I do. I put much effort in trying to bring forth what what is really the the God's word is saying in a particular place, because that's all that matters. If it's just what I think. And I miss it, it's not much value. Amen. It's just dumb. But but if it if you know if it's his word, uh, it's so much value in it. So uh, this morning we'll do that. If you will turn to Luke 13, and we're gonna read from verse 1, looks like I told you to verse 9. Verse 1 to verse 9. But we're only gonna really, really dwell on the last four or five verses of this little story. Luke 13. Verse 1, I got this piece of candy in me, so I hope I get it done before I start preaching, or you better look out. <laughs> Here it comes. And I hope it ain't like what the old preacher used to say, it's a button. <laughs> I'm going to preach till it's gone. Anyway, there were present at that season some that told him, Jesus, of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled, he'd murdered them. He'd mingled it with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Suppose you that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? How, how, many, how many of that is a ploy of the enemy? Sometimes when people go through or have hardship or when tragedy hits, we like to think or we like to sometimes our mind thinks that they were worse than anybody else, or they were greater sinners than. How many know we need to just leave that in God's hands and keep our mouth off of that stuff? We do more damage when we put our mouth on that stuff. And only God can speak to those things. Only God knows. Amen. I tell you nay, Jesus said, but except, here's the whole point, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Everybody. Or, or another example, he says, those 18 whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? Once again, he says, I tell you no, but except, here it is again, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. How many, how many know that when, when Jesus in the New Testament, speaks of perish. He's not talking about just dying. Perishing is eternal. That's why he came. That's why he so loved. That's why he sacrificed. So that none would perish. Amen. 
So here starts then verse 6. So with all that context, he decides to tell him a little story. Out of that little heart or that little thought that all should likewise repent lest you perish, he comes with, here's his story. He says, he spake also a parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and he sought fruit thereon and he found none. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, the gardener, Behold, these three years, I've been coming three years, and I've been coming and seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I have found none. And he says, Cut it down. Why should it cumbereth? Why cumbereth it the ground really anymore? Verse 8. And answering, he answering, the gardener answering, said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also. This year also. Till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, there's no guarantee. Just because we all gathered here this morning in his power, his presence, his grace. There's no guarantee of fruit. But if, if, if it bear fruit, well, well, actually, I think that's glory. Actually, I think that's praise the Lord. That's awesome. And if not, then after that, after that, after that shall it be cut down. Amen. Would you bless the word, Brother Daniel? Once again, Father, in Jesus' name, your word is so explicit, and I thank you for it. I know it, my brother, as he tells us exactly what it means and why. In Jesus' name, we'll all grow and benefit by it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, sir. Come on, give him glory. Amen. 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 You can, you can be seated this morning. Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, there's, there's scriptures that, uh, that, that are just, you see as warnings. You just see them flash, or I do. Maybe my eyes, or maybe it's because uh, I, I feel sometimes like a watchman, somewhat, and and maybe it's just me, but some scriptures, to me, they just flash, and I see warning. I see warning all over. But, but not only is there a warning here, but, but there's, there's great grace in this story. What wonderful grace. been preaching a lot about grace, a lot about grace. And, and you, preach, you preach the whole counsel of God, and when you do, you get this balance. And, and, and though there's great grace, there's also warning. And in this, God, he, he mixes the two and brings them together. And I just want to tell you this morning, there's great grace for the warnings. There's great grace for us to heed the warnings. Matter of fact, I'll tell you this, the warnings are great grace. They are. Anytime that the Lord or God or His Word or the Spirit warns, that's just grace. But what I'd like to do, I pray this morning, I pray that in this house today, I pray the house in this house today that, 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 that there's grace 
but there's a grace, and I want to use this word, and, and just bear with me, but there's grace to feel the warning. Grace to feel the warning. And it might seem contradictory to we live by faith, but I just want to tell you this morning that it'll take faith to feel the warning. It sure will. So that's kind of what I want to talk to you about this morning. I know in my own personal story of salvation, <clears throat> you know, I, I lived all my young adult life up till age 26 or whatever it was. Yeah, 26. I forget now. When you get old, you really don't care anyway. I could say 15. Y'all wouldn't know. But up to, up to age 26, I lived my adult life, really. And this is what I want you to catch this. Because my granddad, my grandma, or whoever, they took me to church. They took me to church, took me to it, took me to church, took me to church. Till I got a little old enough to kind of start pulling back. And, and although I would still go out of obligation or out of duty, sometimes, sometimes I'd feel like, well, I need to or I should. I, I've learned this, though. Just because I should didn't get me there very often. Just because I should, this, it just didn't. This wasn't a whole lot of motivation to get me. I should take the trash out, but usually Cindy's got to say it about ten times. Or it's got to be stinking real bad. I found that that sometimes will get me there. Amen. Amen. But, but here's, what I, here's what I have determined that I was uh, now in this, this portion of my life. Uh, I was, if you want to say it this way, and, and I think it's applicable, I was an unconverted believer. You think about that. I was an unconverted believer. That might sound contradictory too, but that's exactly who I was. I had a lot of beliefs. I, I as a young child, had watched my great grandma and grandpa, who were who were the old time Methodists, devout holiness. When I know nowadays, when you say Methodist, everybody thinks. Really, really loose. Well, I'm going to tell you what, it didn't always be. Yeah. It didn't, I wasn't always that way. It was, it was a devout holiness. I, I remember, I've told this story. Only way I, as a child, I remember the smell of her house. Ain't that weird how you remember stuff like that? I mean, sometimes I have to smell to see if I've got deodorant on and I can't remember. But I can remember from, from back in 1968 or 5 or 7 or 9, I can remember going in her house and it had this distinct smell. And it, you know what it smelled like to me? You know what I've always picked? And I don't even know why because I don't even know why, why I would have had this because I didn't know what that smelled like. But I always, it smelled like holiness. It did. I don't know why. As a young man, as a young child, I just thought, man, this place, this, this smells holy in here. It just smelled holy. And, and I've always had that translation in my mind that that's what holiness smells like. When I, when I read scriptures, I've read scripture about the holy of holies. I always think of my grandma's house. Well, it, it smells like my grandma's house. Amen. That's just what I thought of. But all, all those years I've watched them, and, and my granddad was a devout Christian, and he taught me great things and great principles and, and all these things. And I believed. I can remember as a young kid, Standing on fish banks and stuff. I, I had this one conversation with God as a young man, probably 12 or 13. And, and, and I remember telling God that I believed in him. But I was unconverted. I lived my entire young life, my adult life, unconverted. How many know the day that the devils believe and even tremble? But they live unconverted. Unconverted. 
And that was the story of my life. And it wasn't until about age 26, somewhere in there, and even a little before that. You know, salvation, I told I think baby brother Brent the other day. Salvation in my life, I don't know about yours, but it had like a thousand little moving parts. So many things. It wasn't just one. I can't nail it down to really one thing, although the thing I'm going to talk about was the big thing. It's hard. It was so many moving parts over the couple, three years, or maybe even my lifetime. Maybe it was the smell of my great-grandmother's house when I was five. Maybe, maybe it was the things that I heard in my granddad. So many, maybe it was the intercession of a prayer. Maybe all these things, tragedies and, and, and incidents and circumstances and guilt and conviction. All these things went together. Cindy leaving cassette tapes on the, on the, on the counter. And me, me thinking I was sneaking them off. What a setup. She'd leave them and I'd sneak them off and, and I was the one being had. I'd sneak them off to the garage and I'd listen to them and I'd bring them back. Oh, see, all that was working. Gr- Granny back there preaching he's coming again. and Everybody, all the things working. So really, it's a thousand things that went into my salvation. Thousand things that went into true conversion. Thousand. But this one thing is what changed and put it all in motion. All those thousand things come together. That, that, that day that I felt the warning. When I began to feel God's warning. And it was a short time. I, I began to sense I began to sense scriptures like this. I began to sense that my days were, and I had no reason to believe it. I had no reason in the world. I was 26 years old, 225, 30 pounds, strong as a bull ox, full of life. I had no reason to believe. But I began to sense that my days were numbered. I began to sense as I heard preachers preach about he's coming again. I, had, I heard preachers talk about places called like hell and eternally there. And I heard all these warnings. And, and one day I got this feel that I'm going to be there. That I'm going to be lost. That I'm not going to make it. And the warnings really impressed me. They impressed me to the point that they began to move me. And that was really the thing that really moved me beyond being this unconverted Believer, it took me to the place where I realized I must be born again. I must be. I understood why Jesus said, I must be born again, and it's not enough. I just want to tell you something. Our world and our churches, in America especially, is filled with unconverted believers. They, they profess that they know Him. They profess that they do works in His name. They profess that they're all these things. But I'm going to tell you, they bear no fruit. Matthew 7 shows that whole, that whole picture. Matthew 7 shows us that even so a good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. 18, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Verse 19, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is just what the warning Jesus was saying is cut down, cast into the fire. 
Wherefore, by their fruits, you shall really know them. And then here it is. Here it is. Not everyone that saith, not everyone, not everyone that confess, not everyone who says he's a believer is really converted. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. How many know? It's only being born again. True conversion is how you enter in. That's how. It's the belief enough to move, to repent, and to be able to, to come in and say, enter into the kingdom. But, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, verse 22 and 23, let's finish. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils? Have we not in thy name done many wonderful works? Verse 23, and will profess, and I will profess, Jesus says, I will, Jesus says, I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Amen. A, a, a unconverted believer. Amen. But the day I began to feel that warning, I began to feel the warnings of Scripture. I began to feel the various groups of, of things that I've heard and the readings. And, and I began to feel all that was the day that I repented, truly repented, truly repented, and was converted and become born again and become truly saved. I was no longer just, just an unconverted believer, but I become a born-again, believing child of God. I become a Christian. I want to tell you something. The fruit of a Christian is to be Christ-like. Amen. It is. It is. And I, I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what other preachers are saying. I don't care what they say you can and can't do. If it ain't like Christ, it's not the fruit of Christ. It's not. So be careful. Be careful what you hear. Amen. So today, here's what I pray, and i got to move on. I want to pray. I want to pray. for and this message might not be for everybody. I know it's not. I will say that. I already knew that. It's not for everybody, but, but I want to make sure in case it's for somebody. Amen. But what I want to do, I want to pray. I want to pray for the grace. The grace that will allow us to feel the warning that's in verse 6, 7, 8, and 9. And that's what I do right now. I pray, God, may you bring grace in this house for verse 6, 7, 8, and 9. That if it need be this morning, that we will feel, that we will feel with all surety the grace of this warning. And to feel it to an, such an extreme, dear God, that it will move us to this repentance that Jesus is talking about, lest we perish. Lest we perish. Amen. Amen. So be it, Jesus. So be it. Amen. Verse 6, go back to verse 6, 7, and 8, and 9, if you would, Kayla. And I, wanna, I want you to dwell on this one more time. Luke 13. Verse 6, 7, 8, and 9. Uh, Jesus off the heels of talking about you must repent lest you perish. He spoke this parable. He talks about this certain man. Of course, it's easy to understand who this certain man is. He's talking about his father, God, the owner of it all. How many know there's one that owns it all? He owns it all. There's a certain man. He, he had this fig tree, and he planted it in in this vineyard, and he came and he sought fruit thereon, but he found none. Verse 7, I want to read it through one more time. Then 
Then said he unto the dresser, the gardener, the master gardener of his vineyard, Jesus, by the way, you know who the master gardener is, don't you? Amen. Your, your intercessor, you'll see here in just a minute. The dresser, he said, behold, these three years I've come seeking. And it's not so much about the years. That's just part of the story. But, but he's come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I have found none. So he says, cut it down. Why should it cumber the ground really any longer? And, and the gardener's answering and said, listen, listen at your intercessor. He said unto him, Lord, let it alone. Listen, and this is the, this is the word that this, this sentence let it alone this year also. I don't know about you, but I really sense the warning in that. There's where, there's where this whole message come alive in my spirit. Let it alone this year, this year also. Give me one more year. Or give me this one more season. Give me this one more time. Amen. Amen. Think about it. Give me this one more year. Let it alone this one more year. And let's see. Let me, let me operate. Let me operate in great grace. Let me dig and dung. And let, let's see. Amen. Lord, let us feel the grace of this gardener this morning. Let us feel. Let it alone. This year also. Here's, here's what I want to say. I believe this this morning. If you're going to feel, here's one thing I feel like you, you're going to see or one thing I feel like you should feel when you read this, this little story and especially this verse. You should, you should feel the years that I have wasted. The years that I have wasted. This year, because he's came and he's came and he's came. You know, do you feel that? Years that we've wasted, years that we've, and, and I want you to, the, the text, the text really shows us, gives us a good look, and gives us a good look back that, that it was planted in a privileged place. It was in the vineyard. Good soil, good care. Here's what I want to tell you. I just believe this this morning, especially here in America. I just want to tell you, if, if it's only on the basis, maybe you ain't been privileged in a lot of other ways, but I'm going to tell you something this morning. You as Americans, you are privileged. God has privileged us. I'm going to tell you what. We've been privileged to grow up in this country with freedom. Freedom that we've enjoyed. What a privilege. There's nobody going to be able to say any otherwise. We've had this freedom to worship. We've all had to. We've, none of us has had to hide and read our Bible. None of us has had to meet in dark rooms or caves or closets. No, no. We've had this great freedom to come together not only once a month week, but any time we desire, every day if we want. We can come together and we can meet and we can offer up as loud as we want, as loud and as proud as we want to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We've had choice of whether we'll go somewhere else or come to the house of God. We've had choice. Shall I serve him or shall I serve him? We've had choice. What a privilege. That's what I understand by this big tree that was planted in this choice area. Intended to. It wasn't in the wild. It wasn't amongst the briars or the thorns. Oh, no, no. This thing was well, I'm just going to tell you something. Some of y'all have been well tended to, like myself. Like myself. Some of us know, our, our maybe our, some of our home life might not have been the greatest, but we've been well tended to. 
a neighbor or a grandma or a dad, somebody, a grandma, somebody as well, a great-grandma whose house smells like holiness. Well tended to. Children, some of you children in here, my God, you've grew up under the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. His Spirit, you've experienced it yourself. You've seen, you've, you've, you've seen the miraculous. You've seen some of us healed completely of death. Some of you would have never knew me if it were not for God and the miraculous power of His hand to say stop, that's the end of it. And to bring it under control. Put me in what the doctors call remission. I called it cured. Privileged. Privileged. And I think about that. I think about all that. I think what we've, what's been wasted now because of we've had such privilege, we've had such possession, we've been in such fertile ground. We've been here in fertile ground. Some of you grew up in the Pentecostal church. My God, fertile ground. Fertile as rich as the richest land there is. Ground that the Holy Ghost brings forth much fruit. Hundredfold. Where the labor was little and the fruit was much. Lived in houses that we didn't build. Come on. Drank from the honey that come from a rock. Sweetness. I thank God for the kids that grew up in such rich ground. But be careful, be careful that you don't get a hold of this scripture one day and realize I've wasted the privilege. Be careful. Such a privilege. And I can't help but sometimes I look back on the 26 years that I wasted. And I feel it. Part of what moved me. I felt it. I felt I've wasted it. Amen. 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 Maybe there's 20-somethings here today. I don't know. 20-somethings here, here today who, who, who feel like they got tomorrow. You don't know. Don't waste today. Don't waste now. 40 and 50-somethings here who's still playing the fool. Sixties and seventy somethings, or or even eighty somethings. I don't know. Still chasing self and stuff. And Amen. One day this this is going to get a hold of your heart. I've wasted. When I say let it alone, this one more year also. That means there's been so much in the past. He's graced you so much in the past. He's poured out on you so much in yesteryear. He's done so much for you in days that are gone by. He's kept you through so much. He's graced you so much. Oh, my God. Amen. 
Think on it. If I'm going to feel this message, I believe I need, I need to feel that there's, that there's been this sufficient time for fruit. That's what this story, I feel that when he says, I've looked for it these three years. And this is not the three years, but the point is, there's been sufficient time. Do you feel it? There's sufficient time. I should have already come to him, or I should have already been free of this. I should have already devoted my entire life. I should have already called him Lord of Lords. I should have already moved beyond just being a, 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 a unconverted believer. I should have moved way beyond just sitting in the church. I should have done moved way beyond just punching my time clock and these merit things of, of church. I should have done moved way. It's been time enough. I should have done sold out, put my hands on the plow and plowed for him not to look back. Should have, should have done them. Been long, long gone by now. Should have repented long ago. How many know that in this story that we see the patience and the long suffering of God, even even as He waits on our fruit? I would I would tell you that for encouragement today. I would. Our God's not slack as others think oh no he's not but but he's not willing that any should perish that's why he waits he waits on the tree he waits he waits the master gardener begs and pleads wait the intercessor from on high the one that give his life blood for us he waits the intercessor from on high pleads and begs wait father wait wait feel, I feel the weight of I should have already repented by now. I should have already been sold out by now. Amen. 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 I do. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I bless you. I bless you for your Holy Son. I bless you for the warnings. I bless you for the grace that shakes us, the grace that moves us. Lord, I thank you for it all. Amen. 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 Do you feel the weight of the next part? I feel I feel I will I will I will be forever. I will, sometimes I feel like I do wish you sometimes. Even when I was when I was a sinner, and I know it's how sometimes people feel I they feel they wish that God would leave them alone. Let me live life. I I, I feel that because when I'm preaching or ministering or, or witnessing or trying to talk sense into them 40 and 50 somethings or 60 somethings could quit playing the fool I can feel I hear by their voice won't you won't you do you and God just leave me alone so I can live my life you know what I see what I feel in this I feel this I see that he's not going to leave us alone you ought to just stop right there and think thank yes you ought to just thank God right there that he's not going to leave you alone. That he did not. You'll not be alone. Amen. I know you're busy. I know you got things to do. I know you got things you want to do. I, people tell, well, I need to get this done first. Uh, before I come, I'm going to come see you one day. I'm coming, but I need to get this one. I need, to, I need to do this. Well, you know, I got these things going on, and, and uh, I just ain't got time right now. 
Come on, somebody. He's still not going to leave you alone. Amen. Just want God to let me live. Just let me get this done. Amen. Amen. Here's the big thing. Here's the big thing. I see in this story, and I feel it. Boy, this is the one I really feel. This is what I felt when I got saved. I feel the limit on grace. Do you feel it? I know. I know we, we might not have realized, oh, preacher, what? We might not have realized that grace had a limit. Maybe we didn't realize. Maybe we thought that grace had no limitation or no weakness. We know scriptures, there's certain scriptures that, that talk about its strength. Scripture points out in the forwards, and it's true that it's so strong. Scripture points out that it's great and exceeding, that, that it abounds, that it's sufficient. But in this story, it points out there is this one limit of grace. That it's limited. It's to a certain time. It's a time. I, I want to tell you, it's seasonal. I don't know about y'all, but maybe this is a bad analogy, but there's certain things that I like that are seasonal. I love eggnog. I do. I don't know why I flat out love eggnog, but you know what? It's seasonal. If you don't get it in November, now when they're backing it on up now, now, now you can about get it after Easter. But they're backing it on up. They back it, but, but it's seasonal. It's seasonal. You, it's like this McDonald's commercial I've been seeing here lately. If you want a McFlurry or, or some of that other st- international delights that they're being said, you got to get it by July 28th. Or you'll have to go to Sweden and get it. That sucker must be good. Amen. The McFlurry. Amen. Amen. But I want to tell you, it, it, grace is like that. It's, it's a seasonal time offer. I see that in this story. That's what this story comes to. That's what it happens. He says, let it alone, let it alone this year also. A lot of us maybe didn't think it, didn't know it, didn't realize it, but that grace, we think grace will be forever, and it will somewhere, but not on my life. Maybe we didn't realize, maybe we didn't realize that, that I had just this amount of time. Now, I'm not here to tell you that you got just one more year. But maybe somebody here just just got one more year. Grace is not forever. Eternity is. But grace was offered, as we see in this story here, and I feel it, it's just one more year. Think about it. Think about it. There's going to come a time. There's going to come a, everybody's going to have a last year. You ever thought of it like that? Everybody's got a last year coming. We don't quite know when we step into it. I had stepped into mine right prior to salvation, before I even knew I was sick. year before I knew I was sick. I stepped in it. I began to feel. I don't know why. It's just God's good grace. It's just him that woke me and stirred me. I felt the warning. I felt like this my time is nigh. It's close. I'm not sure what's going on. I don't know if the Lord's coming. I didn't even think about dying. I thought I was too strong, too big, too ugly to die. But sure enough, sure enough, I had like one year. 
Not only that, maybe, 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 maybe you ever think about this? Not only that, there's somebody might just have a last month. Last week, last day, last second, last breath. This week, this week we've seen that. Three tragedies, really. My wife saw it. Chris's dad, Jimmy, and, and another well-known person in our church. All three took their last breath. Last breath. Last breath. And I, I dare say none of the three knew, other than under the inspiration of God, that and especially the two or especially didn't know that it's it's now that it's here. A season. And we don't know. I wish we would feel that. And in the light of these tragedies, I feel the need this morning as pastor to warn you heartily, strongly, passionately out of such scriptures. To let you know, this may be your week. I know you don't believe it. I know you don't. But it very well could be. This day could be. This moment. And I would urge you to realize, man, you need to, you need to get in on grace for all that it is. You need to pull it close. Amen. So that brings me to this last part. And that's just who I want you to really take, pay a heed to this. For in this story, we see the master gardener. This is how, this is how maybe I knew that my time was short. But I began to feel the presence and the work of the master gardener. <laughs> yes. I begin to feel the presence and the working of the master gardener in my life. As he began to, to take his spade and loosen the roots. Woo! Loosen the roots and begin to dong about my life. Begin to realize that he was in my life. I'm not sure what's going on. Wasn't sure what to make of him at that time. But I knew that there's this master gardener who's trying to loosen my grip on this earth. Yes. Loosen up my hold on carnal things to which I had hope to vehemently. And the master gardener got to working in my life a year before my call was coming. Let it alone one more year. Let it alone, Father, one more. I'm going to loosen it up right here, and I'm going to loosen it up. I believe there's folk in here this morning. You know what I'm talking about. You know the presence of the master gardener, how he loosens. Hey, loosens the grip. Turned everything, I want you to hear this. Turned everything in my life to dung. I know that don't sound very, and if it wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't use it. 
but he turned all the life to, I'm going to tell you something, sometimes it's grace that has turned your life to crap. I hope that don't offend you, but it's true. It's the dung. It's really grace. It's turned it all, and he's using the pain, the suffering, the affliction, the hardships, the trials, the downcomings, to fertilize the roots that he's loosened. Oh, let it loose. Let it go one more year. You didn't know what he was doing, did you, Pastor? Everything turned to dung. Maybe it's just for me, Jesus. But I realized, I sensed, I, I seen that the master gardeners at work. Don't be so quick to, to blame the devil for your hardships. Hey! Don't be so quick to blame everybody else for your hardships. Don't blame your parents, your, your workplace. Don't, don't, don't blame your preacher by all means. Or your church. It might just be the master gardener. Turning everything to dung. Because it's this just year two alone. And in a year's time, if you don't find grace like he needs you to find grace and repent, all that stuff ain't going to matter anyway. All those things you've got your roots wrapped around ain't going to matter anyway. You heard me tell the story of one of my best friends who was my farming neighbor. We farmed together and I loved him. And he was a great friend, but he didn't know Christ. And he was one that you couldn't shove it down his throat. I just had to witness here, witness there, talk here, talk there. But, but one day, one day the master, the master gardener went to In a matter of a day or two, all of his life went to dung. You got lung cancer. In the fourth stage, you might have six months. All of a sudden, all the stuff that he was so proud of, all the stuff that he thought was so important, all the equipment, all the things that he had gathered, and the big, beautiful farm that he had worked so hard, all that stuff, he began to see his roots pulling away from him. He sensed the master gardener. He's the one I told you all about that read the Bible through in his last days of his life. He, had, he lived about four or five months after that. And he got gloriously saved. He repented so he would not perish. Oh, he died off of this earth, but he did not perish. He got born again and now presides in the kingdom of glory forever with the eternal Jesus Christ. And I will see him again. I got his baler. I'm gonna tell him. I'm gonna tell him I've run the dog out of your baler, Rodney. Amen. Amen. But but it began. Here's what he told me. 
He, he said, I got to read this thing. I got to find out who I'm going to stand before. Because I, that, that's what he did. He read it. He read the Old Testament and all. I was a little worried. I said, because I said, man, don't just read the Gospels. Oh no, I'm gonna read it all. I said, well, by all means, read it all. And every day I'd go up, or every couple of days I'd go up and see him. He he went through one of the harsh books, one of the harsh stories, and he'd say, that God ain't playing around, is he? <laughs> I said, no, he don't play around. He don't play. He said, I'm glad I know who I'm gonna stand before now. I know who I'm just saying about. I know him. I know him. I know. God, God had loosened his, his roots from this earth. Yeah, he turned his life to dung here on this earth. But it allowed the growth of the gospel like it would have never been. Hey! Hey! The gospel would have never took root. Though the gospel was laid at his roots year after year after year after year. He'd come to revivals I preached at. He would listen. He loved him. He'd laugh. But he wouldn't get saved. He was an unconverted believer. One day, the gar master gardener said, this year alone. And he was, the gospel had laid at his roots all that time. And never, was, never took hold. Whoa, but when they dug about. I wish to God that the master gardener would come through this house right now and go to digging about roots and sometimes even turning life to dung that the gospel might take hold like never before and we bear much fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I know I got to close. I said that already, amen. Amen. But I believe it. I believe it. I thank God that he does loosen. I thank God that it sometimes takes much. Amen. Thank God, long-suffering. Listen, maybe there's somebody here this morning, he has fired over and over and over. He does that. He does, don't he? Over and over. And you know why he does it? And hopes that one day you'll really turn to him. That you will really, absolutely, wholeheartedly turn to him. I want to tell you something this morning. As great as grace is, listen to me. Grace don't remove the judgments or the warnings. Grace prepares us for them. I love grace. I'm going to keep preaching it. I'm going to preach it even hotter and even more, more graciously. But it don't remove any, it don't declaw the judgments. I'm going to tell you something. If, if you don't get right with God, repent like the scriptures ask us to, like the scripture warns us to. If we don't become born again, I'm going to tell you what, the claws of judgment will sink themselves deep into your eternal life and pull you into everlasting judgment with a holy God, a thrice holy God. And you'll have no ground. No ground. But that's why the grace, that's why the repeated offering, that's why the re repetitiveness of, of, of leaving it alone and leaving it alone and leaving it alone yet this year too. 
this year too. He spares, he spares, he spares. He don't spare because he don't care about your sin. He don't spare because he's indifferent about your sin. He spares because he loves the sinner. He loves the sinner. He does. Maybe our mind can't get around the idea how he can hate sin and love us, but that's the story. Amen. 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 He could destroy us all if he wanted. But it's this great grace. What a great privilege we have this morning. Y'all can come on. What a great privilege we have. But with such a great privilege, you see there's a responsibility. He keeps coming. He keeps coming to check for the, the fruit. It's a privilege. You know it's a privilege to be in this house this morning. It's a privilege to be in his presence. It's a privilege to be able to sit and hear his word. It's a privilege to be able to worship. Maybe you're here this morning still standing, still standing, still standing, still standing. And, and, and grace is still pleading. Let it alone. Grace is still waiting. Waiting. Maybe you say, I'm waiting on God. But I'm going to tell you, God's waiting on you. That's what he's waiting on. He is. He is. In this book, God has given us a thousand different pictures to see and to feel the warnings. thousand different. Every story we should feel. From the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. Thousands of pictures that we should feel. I wonder this morning. I wonder this morning. Is there anyone here who is even like me, like myself, an unconverted believer? That's what the warning's for. Not been born again. No fruit. I wonder in this place this morning, grace pleads, I plead, this church pleads, the spirit of all those pleads. It's just coming today when the pleading stops and it's cut down. That's harsh for the gospel, but it's the gospel truth. I'm not a universalist. I don't believe everybody goes to heaven. I believe them that's been born again go to heaven. I believe them that's made Christ their Lord and Savior go to heaven. I believe them that's called upon Him go to heaven. That's who I believe. I don't believe every funeral everybody's went to heaven. Well, stories like this would be useless. I know our Lord and Savior who give his lifeblood didn't waste time being useless. 